Hey there, it's Phil Harwood. Just want to take a quick minute before we begin today's podcast episode and talk to you about our live and in-person events. We had three events scheduled for 2021. We've already had two of them. Our Inner Circle, sponsored by VentTrack event, was very well attended and was a great event. And uh, just recently, we had our Forum for Sales event, sponsored by SnowX, sold out. Uh, We had a great event there as well. We have one more event coming up. It's called Grounds in Institutional Management. It's really focused on site um, issues, operations, engineering, equipment, everything having to do with with running a snow event and planning for events. This is going to be September 8th and 9th at Milton Cat in Milford, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. So we hope to see you there. Registration is open right now at snowfightersinstitute.com. Welcome to the Snowfighters Institute podcast where we hear directly from some of the most interesting people in the professional snow and ice management industry to learn about their successes, to hear about the challenges they faced along the way, and to have their perspective on critical issues facing our industry today. I'm your host, Phil Harwood. Before I introduce today's special guest, I'd like to invite you to follow our social media feeds And check out our upcoming events at snowfightersinstitute.com. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome. I'm joined today by Eric Mangum from Caterpillar, the world's leading manufacturer of construction equipment, mining equipment, diesel and natural gas engines, industrial gas turbines, and diesel electric locomotives. CAT equipment includes articulated trucks, backhoe loaders, dozers, excavators, generators, motor graders, skid steer loaders, and wheel loaders. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm glad to be here today, Phil. Uh, Hopefully the snow season's going well for everyone, especially after the last few weeks. Uh, It looks like a a lot of the country got hit by snow, and even after we've talked, uh, Recently, it sounded like you had a lot of digging out yourself. Yeah, so I'm in Michigan. Um, I know you're down in North Carolina, but we're recording this uh, the third week of February 2021, and uh, we've just been clobbered along with most of the country. So the whole East Coast, uh, Mid-Atlantic, I know here in, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I live, we, we had about 30 inches in three weeks. Uh, so a pretty good hit. <laughs> it's in the forties this week, so we're getting a little melt off, but no, it's good to, it's good to see some snow. It's good to get the guys out working, uh, whether you have seasonal contracts or not, you know, everyone wants to be working, right? Nobody wants to, um, be idle and you put all that investment in, you buy all, you buy all this equipment, you buy salt, you train everyone, and then you sit and wait. <laughs> and that's the most frustrating thing of all is waiting. So we're always thankful when it snows and give give some work to for everyone. I'm sure you are as well. Yeah, we're we're glad to see that it did snow because I know so so many of the companies that that we work with uh, they're dependent, and it's weather. You you can't guarantee snow. So I'm glad that some of the folks got to get out and do some work. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, Eric, I want to start with just talking about what your role is at Caterpillar, um, kind of what some of your responsibilities are. So um, why don't you take it away from there? Okay. Well, uh, Phil, I'm currently the association manager for Caterpillar's building construction products division. Uh, you hear about Caterpillar a lot, but our division, uh, building construction products division, or BCP as we call it around here, uh, we're responsible for designing, manufacturing, and marketing Caterpillar small, versatile construction machines and work tools. Uh, part of our machine portfolio are skid steers, compact track loaders, mini excavators, small and compact wheel loaders, backhoes, telehandlers, and attachments. So that's what our division does. And then as the association manager, I work with various industry associations here in North America. And we look for areas that we can work together to help the members of each association. It could be sponsorships of shows or hosting events for members, working within peer groups like the one that we have here uh, with you, or just um, going out and working college events for our future uh, managers or, or landscape owners or construction company owners. So get to, get to meet a lot of folks and work with them on, on a pretty uh, close level and hopefully uh, we'll continue to get to do that for the near future and get out and start doing some face-to-face -face work soon. Yeah, I can't wait. It'd be nice to get back to doing conferences and seeing everybody in person again. But um, no, Caterpillar has been such a great, um, you know, supporter of industry events. I mean, you can't, you, you literally can't go to an event in our industry without seeing, uh, you know, cat logo somewhere and sponsorship of, like you said, peer groups. And that's really how I got to know, you, Eric, and, and the other, some of the other folks at Caterpillar through the Sima peer groups. And, you know, you guys have been a wonderful uh, supporter of Grow the Bench as well, including our free, note the word free, <laughs> everyone loves free, equipment management course at growthebench.com. We actually filled that at a Caterpillar facility, uh, cat dealership up in uh, Milford, Massachusetts. Uh, Neil Glapp, my business partner with Grow the Bench uh, went up there and, and shot that on site. So just a really cool experience, you know, for Neil to be on site there and, and for us to be able to do that. And what a great way to, you know, give something really valuable back to the industry because that, you know, the, the equipment management course is really a, a course that walks people through understanding how to value and manage their assets in a way that, really breaks it down and makes it easy for someone to understand. That's my experience. People really struggle with, you know, just understanding how assets are tracked in their inventory system and how they're accounted for. And then you get, you know, we kind of walk people through a very simple explanation of what depreciation is and how that works. And then we also, as part of that free course, um, we have a, an equipment value calculator that gives people the opportunity to value um, a potential piece of equipment on a lease versus buy versus rent scenario and um, kind of gives them a fill in the blank way of doing that. So just a really great course. If you haven't run through that free course yet, just jump over to growthebench.com and run through that. Um, and um, speaking of Milton Cat, uh, up in Milford, Massachusetts there, hopefully uh if uh, all things go as planned this year, we're able to do these in-person events. We're going to be having a Snow Fighters event up there, 
focused on grounds and institutional snow management. So this will be a uh, operationally focused um, snow fighters event. And that's at snowfightersinstitute.com if you're interested in checking that out. So with all that being said, Caterpillar has just been a wonderful partner for us and a wonderful supporter of the industry. And um, yeah, we just uh, couldn't say, can't say enough about the level of support that you guys have provided for not only my businesses, but the industry as a whole. So um, Eric, I'm curious about your background. Like um, how long have you been on Caterpillar? What what other roles have you had throughout the years? If maybe you've done some other things uh, before moving into this association management role you just told us about. Well, I've, I've been with uh, Caterpillar for over 23 years, Bill, and I've had a number of different roles. Uh, one of the cool things I like to talk about uh, in my career is I actually started in Sanford, North Carolina in 1997, and it was pretty much an empty uh, building with offices, uh, with engineering and uh, a lot of the support staff. And that's where we built uh, our very first skid steer loader. And that's where we build our skid steer loaders and compact track loaders today. So it was uh, just a really neat process to see the machines go from cardboard mock-ups to where we are today as one of the, the leading skid steer and compact track loaders in the industry. So. I've uh, gotten to see that machine from, again, just an empty factory to just a fantastic facility now. But um, And I, I moved into a couple of different roles while I was there also. And uh, I was uh, in marketing communications for a while. And then I moved into the skid steer loader product team for a couple of years and uh, went out into the field after that. And I covered our dealers up in North and South Dakota, Minnesota, and Iowa. And as a Southern born and bred uh, boy, getting uh, that type of uh, uh, experience up in the snow belt uh, really kind of uh, let me see what our customers have to do when it comes to snow removal and just the amount of work that they've got to put in. So I got to live that for about four years. And um, believe me, my, my snow driving is much better after, after that time up there. And, so after leaving that position, I moved back to North Carolina and I was in our global uh, purchasing team for a while. And the last three years I've been involved in our training team, working with our product groups and our dealers to provide uh, equipment training and programs. So I uh, really enjoyed that and enjoyed actually when I started this role, seeing the the training that you have on Grow the Bench, you guys have done a fantastic job with that also. Well, thank you. And then and then just recently, I moved into the association manager position, and this is it's been a really enjoyable process starting to see uh, the different groups that we've worked with in the past and building uh, stronger relationships. Uh, and again, from my perspective, that's that's one of the nice things uh, being in the industry, building these lifelong relationships with customers and companies that represent uh, the industry as well as you guys do and some of the other associations I work with. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Eric, you mentioned that Sanford plant down in North Carolina. That's just a really cool um, plant to tour. If you ever have a chance to get down there and and be part of that, just just a little bit for, further north of that in Cary, North Carolina, uh, you, you guys have some office space up there, and you also have your customer service center, which is a beautiful state of the art facility where you can hop on equipment, play around with some of the mini 
excavators and some of the other ma machines there. And, um, and so just, I would just encourage you if you ever have a chance to, you know, get linked up with some Caterpillar folks and get down to North Carolina, there's some really cool stuff to see. And, and they, they really roll out the red carpet for anyone who can make it down there. So. Yeah, we, and we love to have our, our customers come in with our, our dealers. We've had customers come in from Europe, Australia, here in the States, Canada, uh, Mexico, Latin America. It's, we do, we try to give a, a good opportunity for the customers to, to ask questions from our product uh, experts, to hop on the machines, uh, to see the new features that we've built in our machines when we have our, uh, our product launch. So, and it's just really nice to be able to see and talk to the customers face-to-face -face when, when they're operating machines. Generally, we have up to 75 pieces of equipment here at the cus customer and training center. Um, we recently uh, dedicated it to one of our former vice presidents, Edward J. Rapp. So we call it the Edward Rapp Customer Training Center, uh, bringing visitors. We have a number of different events. Uh, it's just a great place for our customers to come in and just get to operate equipment and not have a lot of pressure, ask the questions, and get to just get a little bit of stick time on, on the equipment. And like I said, we really enjoy having our customers come in and do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just great. And it's just a nice, clean, modern, uh, well laid out experience facility and all around experience. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about the manufacturing facilities, but I, I also want to just hear a little bit about you on a personal basis, Eric, kind of your, if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about your family, kind of where you grew up, where you're from, maybe some of your hobbies, stuff like that. Okay. Well, I, I grew up in uh, North Carolina, not too far from Raleigh. Um, my grandfather was a tobacco cotton farmer, and um, my dad loved that so much, he started his own auto body shop. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty, yeah, pretty tough work. Uh, and, um, but uh, just grew up around uh, the North Carolina central area near Raleigh. Uh, grew up helping my dad work on cars and uh, really found a love for uh, classic cars there. And I actually have a couple of myself. I got a Buick Grand Sport Skylark and a Riviera that I've been working on for a while and just enjoy that. Uh, my my family, uh, my wife is um, here local person also, grew up near Raleigh. She's a CPA here in uh, one of the local Raleigh firms. I've got three kids and uh, two crazy dogs, and we've uh, enjoyed uh, uh, being back in North Carolina after a little stint in Minnesota and um, just enjoy the opportunities we have here uh, that Caterpillar provides as well as the nice North Carolina weather. Yeah, a little bit nicer than than Minnesota, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's actually in the 60s today. And it yeah, isn't nice. It, it is February. Yeah, right. Well, um, you know, thinking more about the manufacturing facilities I've been through um, with Caterpillar, one of the things that really stood out to me was just this really um, intense focus on the people. And that kind of surprised me. Um, and, you know, the more it was explained, by our tour guides and just kind of reflecting on it. I mean, it really made sense because the, the focus on safety, uh, line speed, and even just like the ergonomics of, of different workstations, you know, reducing movements, reducing stress on, on the humans <laughs> in the plant. 
really ends up in the quality, ends up showing up in the quality outcome. And so, you know, that obviously affects the customer and, you know, the whole reputation of the brand. But, um, I, you know, I was just curious because you've been, you've been a part of Caterpillar for a long time here. Is this, is that, a, I mean, is that really part of the culture that's, that's present as, you know, as, as somebody that works in the company or is that just something I noticed as an outsider walking through your one of your plants? Well, Phil, I think you touched on a good point. Um, we do care about our employees here and, and safety for all of our employees is really important, especially when you're manufacturing equipment. Uh, there's some large tools, large uh pieces of equipment that uh, people have to use and and put together on a daily basis and you want everyone to, to be safe and one of the things that we've uh, always tried to adhere to is a, a safety uh, comment or belief that I care about everyone's safety and believe that everyone every injury is preventable and that's really driven home so you see it in our culture and our facilities and here, just here in North Carolina and Sanford our corporate office in Cary, North Carolina, and then our small wheel loader factory here in Clayton. Safety is really an emphasis, and we want to make sure our employees are well taken care of. Um, and all of our teammates play a part in creating a safe environment to work for everyone. Um, we want our employees to feel safe, and they're empowered to bring up issues if they if they feel like. Um, they have the right to say that then uh they will and and the emphasis will be followed and kind of uh brought to a forefront so we've got a really good uh environment for our employees to be able to just talk about things whether it be ergonomics or a better way to assemble our products they have the right and we expect that um, each employee bring up any type of concern that they see um, everyone is much more productive if they feel safe and if they can work in an ergonomic manner and if they have the right tools and the right skills that they've been trained on it just helps us to build a much better product and um, again we, we care about our employees and their families so safety is a, a big priority for the building construction products division at Caterpillar. Yeah, I was really surprised the first time we had a meeting at a Caterpillar uh, facility. The meeting actually started out with um, uh, someone coming in and had giving us a safety talk <laughs> right at the beginning of the meeting. And it was it was kind of strange, but at the same time, like, okay, that's kind of cool. Like, I don't think I've had one of these since I was in school. You know, here's the fire exits. Here's what to do. And, and it was just, it was like pretty cool. It's like, wow, someone really cares about us. Like, you know. Um, we're going to take 10, 15 minutes here and really go through this. Like this is really happening. And you just don't see that very often and just, you know, wow, what a commitment to be able to do that. And I'm assuming that that's part of the standard process, not just something you did for our peer group meeting. No, it, it is certainly a standard process, uh, for internal meetings, whether if they're, um, online or not, we always have a safety brief, uh, to make sure everyone understands, um, what kind of hazards could be around. I know when I'm doing an online training session, uh, we go through it and each and every time we have a, an online meeting, we do it uh, when customers or dealers or even our employees have a meeting, we always have a safety briefing. So it's something we always touch on. And um, I think it's really important because 
if you don't know where an exit is, you don't know where to go if there is an issue. So mm -hmm. uh, we always point out our, our AEDs. We always ask who's uh, CPR certified. So it is a big emphasis to make sure that our, our people, our visitors, our customers and dealers are, are taken care of. Yeah, that's cool. Something else that really stood out to me, Eric, um, and I wanted to ask you about was um, just the the data, the transparency of all the data that I saw in the plant, even just walking in the very first, you know, the beginning before you even get into any of the departments or different areas of the manufacturing facility. Um, um, there was there was basically, you know, a lot of data on the wall, like a whole dashboard of metrics not just safety, but production metrics, goals. Um, so very transparent, very vis highly visible. And then I saw that exact same thing as we moved throughout the facility in the different departments. The, each, each department had their own dashboards, their own metrics, you know, production rates, um, defect rates, whatever. I can't remember all the variables that were on the, on, and you probably know all those things. But um, I mean, there was basically a dashboard and it was very visible and it was very transparent. And I was just so impressed because I think just, you know, as a business consultant working with companies, I feel like most businesses struggle with that area of their business, you know, getting, driving those data metrics down to the people that are actually on the front lines in a in a way that makes sense for them so they can understand it and where they feel like wow there's I'm making an impact you know something I'm doing today is going to reflect in those numbers right either positively mm -hmm. or negative so um talk to me about that and and you know I, I would imagine in when you work in an environment like that where um there's the transparency is so high it also probably, I'm guessing, and I want you to speak to this, it also probably makes you feel like there's nowhere to hide. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, how does that, how does, what's that environment like for you when it comes to that? Yeah, um, in our plant, certainly um, the metrics are shared internally. Uh, this helps the various teams, like you said, as you went throughout the tour, you saw the metrics were set up where different areas of the plant could see it. So, um, everyone then understands what their goal is, what their job is, and how they're doing to reach that goal. Um, without sharing that data, the teams just, um, they wouldn't know where, the, where to move next to update the processes, or maybe there needs to be a tweak or a change. So the metrics and being visible just helps everyone in the facility. Um, it's always about continuous improvement and making the best products we can. And, and um, if you don't have the metrics and you can't get down to the, just the basics of, of continuously improving. So, and, and it allows each employee to think, well, how are we doing? Can we do better? What are, what are the ideas that can enhance what we're doing? And, you know, we get some of the best feedback and process updates from, the folks that are actually putting the machine together. So it, it's really important for everyone to understand and just know what's happening in the facility. And um, again, the uh, data and the metrics are, are easily visible for everyone. And then mm -hmm. it's just made a big difference for us. Yeah, I love what you said there about um, continuous improvement, because I think when you have that transparency and those, those data metrics out there, 
Um, they can be a real positive force if there's a spirit of continuous improvement and challenging or even competition maybe. Um, but they can also be in a different connotation. They could be used to be punitive or, or maybe a little on the negative side. And, and I, I just, you know, I, I obviously we would all prefer to work in an environment that sounds like Caterpillar has where, um, it's really focused more on the positive side, like, Hey, let's, let's really hold ourselves accountable. Let's really, uh, challenge ourselves to get better, continuously improve. And, um, and I'm sure there's a little spirit of competition there as well, but, um, no, it's just cool to hear you talk about that. And I, you know, you can see it just walking through the plant. You see the smiles on everyone's face. And I'm sure they're not just putting that on because they're not getting paid extra to smile at us walking by on a tour. Right. <laughs> right. And again, I mean, our, our employees take pride in what they do. They, we drive down, um, just local here, the interstate 40 road widening project. And you see our products out on the side of the interstate, uh, you take a, a level of pride in, in knowing that, knowing that your, your machine that you built is sitting there and doing a, doing a good job. And the better we make that machine, the easier it is for the, the customers or the companies that purchase the, the equipment to get their job done. So yeah, our employees take a lot of pride in what we do. So um, big product line, lots of different options, lots of different machines. What's, What's if there's one uh, cat product that you're most excited about right now? Love to share with us, Eric. What is it? Well, um, as I said earlier, my background's in skid steers and the compact track loader uh, product. I, I've always loved those, and I think those are just awesome machines for the landscaping industry. And we're always bringing out new uh, features and benefits on all of our equipment, and we love to hear how our customers like. Uh, the the new machines, but one that's really uh, kind of stands out to me of late is our uh, our next gen mini hydraulic excavator. So those are 301.7 up to the 310 uh, products, and we call them the next generation uh, mini hydraulic excavator because we've brought out some new industry first features uh, coming from the skid steer group. You know, stick steer that's pretty easy most of the skid steer companies do that now but that was something new for a mini hydraulic excavator so with the push of the little yellow button on the left hand joystick uh, within a couple of seconds you're, you can then operate the mini hydraulic excavator with your left hand joystick and be able to maneuver around the job site uh, that's something that just makes the ergonomics of operating machine for 16 or 18 hours a day when you're trying to get a job done, just so much nicer. And one of the other features that goes, goes along with that in the next gen minis was cruise control. And I was trying to kind of figure out, well, why do we need cruise control on a mini hydraulic <laughs> right. excavator? And I know Phil, you've, you've run equipment before. A mini hydraulic excavator does not have a really fast ground speed so if uh, when the new products actually came in here to the customer training center, we went out to unload those and um, I ended up having to track it three or 400 yards. Mm -hmm. And instead of using the typical sticks or the foot pedals, so well, this, this machine's got new features, so let's try them out. And I actually went into stick steer, hit cruise control, and 
it just made it so much nicer and easier to operate the machine. And I know when I've been out training customers or dealers and you'll start talking about those features and uh, they look at you kind of side-eyed sometimes about cruise control. What do you need cruise control on the machine that runs two or three miles an hour? And then I give them that same scenario. Here, we've got a really big job site. You have to drop off on one side, but then you've got to trek it to the other side to actually operate and do your job that day. And then you kind of see the the wheels start rolling and the gears start grinding mm -hmm. that, you know what, it makes sense. And then they hop on and actually operate the machine and you see it. Yeah. Okay. I, I understand it now. And it's really a nice feature. And even down uh, to the 301.7, which is a 1.7 metric ton machine, it's offered on that all the way up to the 310 next gen mini hydraulic excavator. So even an uh, operator can get in, a smaller machine and then hop into a larger machine the layout's the same the features are are the same so there's not a not that big of a difference when you're operating a 1.7 metric ton machine up to a 10 ton and again we've got machines all all through the mini hydraulic excavator lineup and the next gens have a lot of really neat and cool features that our customers have uh, really liked as we've brought them out to the market the last couple of years yeah, expand a little bit more on that uh, first feature you talked about. With uh, you said the push push the button, go left hand. What what? Explain that a little bit more. Well, and it's so easy, uh, and that's the kind of the neat thing about it. Uh, I'll go back to the example when they brought the first prototypes over to the customer and training center. We were unloading them. They needed a hand because there was quite a few machines, and I started moving it um, with the typical sticks that are in the in the machine you use either your hands or your foot pedals i was like wait a second this machine has stick steer on it press the yellow button on the left hand joystick and you hear beeps you look at the monitor and the monitor asks do you want to be a stick steer you hit yes and it's as simple as that it's less than two seconds and then you're in stick steer and you can maneuver around with just your left hand joystick and uh, if you want to kick back out of it press the yellow button, you want to kick back in, press it again. And the nice thing is that the monitor allows you uh, some recognition because it beeps a couple of times or beeps three times when you initially hop in and uh, initiate the, the stick steer. So it's pretty simple to use. Uh, you don't uh, have to play around with hydraulic levers or buttons or anything else. Just use that yellow stick steer button. It sounds like I need to make another trip down to North Carolina and hop in some of those machines. Yeah, we'd love to, we'd love to have you guys down here. So, uh, again, I, I know in snow business, you're probably not going to use a lot of mini hydraulic excavators. Uh, but most of our friends that are moving snow in the spring, summer, and fall, they're running landscaping Absolutely. type equipment. And a mini hydraulic excavator is just a fantastic uh, piece of equipment for most landscapers. Yeah, there's not a lot of iron setting all summer, or there, or there shouldn't be. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, is is you know always been a challenge in our industry, but even even more critical today is is just finding and retaining talent. So, um, you know, I don't know if you ever have a chance to talk to groups or you know younger folks, but you know if you were if you were talking to some young folks and you were trying to encourage people to check out 
a career in our industry, you know, the professional landscape and snow management industry. Kind of what what's your perspective on that? What are some things that maybe you would share with them about um, potentially getting into our industry as a, as a career? So again, I I think um the construction industries, uh, if you want to kind of umbrella it, yeah, uh, broadly, there's so many sure. yeah, there's so many things you can do, and um, I mean, every day you see something or multiple things that have been built and designed and developed by someone in the construction industries, whether it's the interstate that you drive to work on, uh, if it's the just beautifully landscaped uh, commercial site or a home, there's just so many things that you can see that you can use your creativity or your knowledge to to help in this, uh, this kind of umbrella of many things you can do in the construction industries. And and I would say once you've decided that you want to get into landscaping or construction or, or again, this umbrella that falls under construction industries, join an association. Um, try to find an association that um, you can learn from. And once you're in that, volunteer to join a peer group. And you can learn so much from some of the people that are already in the industry. And most people want to help the newer people that are joining uh, the, the workforce. Uh, they understand that they, they're they trying to get their start and they're generally more than willing to give advice and help. And I always say, look for a mentor also. And the mentor doesn't always necessarily have to be in the same industry you're in, but the mentor is someone you can talk about business or just bounce off ideas and really work with them to, to give you some understanding of what uh, it takes to be in business today. And then once you get into it and find your local dealer, and of course, I'm going to say find your local cat salesman and talk to them because uh, our dealerships, they can offer so many different products and services. You don't just purchase the machine from them. You purchase parts and services, uh, maintenance agreements. We have financial uh arm of Caterpillar called Cat Financial. Uh, and then the salesmen at our dealership, they're generally a consultant. They're not just there to sell you one piece of equipment today and then not talk to you again. They're gonna talk to you about the right piece of equipment. Um, sometimes you may need a, may have an idea as uh, someone new in the industry that I need a, say a 938 small wheel loader, but in all reality, you actually need can get by with a 926 or vice versa. You think you may be able to go in with a smaller machine, but realize that if maybe the next size up would be uh, more beneficial for you in the long run. And then they're going to consult with you on what's the attachments that you may need to, to purchase also, especially going into the snow business. Do you want a bucket? Do you want a snow pusher? Do you want a snow blower? Uh, and there's just an array of attachments that you can find out and learn from the, the salesman there at the local dealership. So it's just a, a lot of things. I know uh, it seems confusing for someone that may not uh, be in the business today, but just uh, ask questions, be willing to listen to those that are already in the industry, talk to your salesman. And then when you are in the, the business, talk to your customers and find out exactly what they're looking for, um, 
always uh, take notes and then verify what the customers ask. And then once you kind of go over that, the, it makes your life a lot easier because you've got the, the documentation and you know exactly what the customers ask for. So sounds like a lot, but uh, you, it's, uh, it's a fun business and it can be really rewarding when you get to see some of the things that our, our customers make and build every day. Well, it's been great for us, even though you and I have had two completely different experiences, you on more of the equipment side, me on more of the business contractor side. Um, but uh, I agree. It's been a been a fun industry, so much opportunity in all different aspects. And I would and I just want to echo something you said. You talked about, you know, people being willing to support and share ideas and help other people. I see that all throughout our industry. And, and really those associations and things like peer groups and stuff to get involved in and the dealers, everyone is there to help each other. Um, yeah, there's a little competition at times and, and there's competition in local markets. But if you're, especially if you're engaging in a national association, people are there to help. And there's, there's just so much available in terms of resources and support that honestly a lot of people don't even tap into. Um, so the, yeah, I just want to reinforce that cause I've, I've definitely seen that, um, in my career, that level of support has been really, really, you know, sometimes really amazing. Um, but when I think about the snow and ice industry in and of itself, cause this is the snow fighters Institute podcast, as you know, um, kind of, how do you see, how does Caterpillar or you personally, Eric, how, Kind of what are your thoughts about the industry today? What's what's kind of the state of the industry on the snow and ice management side? Uh, well, I'm not even sure where to start because I, I know last fall we were all sitting there crossing our fingers that there would actually be a little snow this year. And then it, it looks like uh, we've gotten a good, good bit of snow here in 2021. So, I mean, it's dependent on weather. And um, that aside, I think that the snow and ice management it's an important business because people have to get to work. Kids have to get to school. Uh, hospitals have to be open. And if the parking lots and the sidewalks and the streets are not clean, it, that makes it so, so much more difficult. And I think the, the contractors that are in the snow and ice management business, they're always looking for a more efficient way to do business. So it seems to be really innovative and as a supplier to the industry, we try to think of ways to be innovative also or to bring out uh, new attachments for the equipment. Uh, because again, some it being so weather dependent, and then when it hits, like you said, you, you guys basically got a blizzard recently, uh, whether it's a dusting or it's a blizzard two feet of snow in, uh, in the area, it's the snow and ice has got to be moved. So I think that this industry is one that's just been going to continue to be innovative. Uh, someone's going to invite and um, invent a new product that helps or the products that are out there now, they're going to continue to get better and enable the contractor just to be more efficient, get the job done quicker. Because again, uh, when it snows overnight, uh, most businesses expect the sidewalks and the parking lots to be clear in the morning. So our contractors are putting in a lot of time and effort, and they want to get the job done as quickly and as efficiently as they can. So I think innovation is always going to be in the snow and ice management industry. Yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. And there's been so much. So there were two things there you you um, mentioned that I just want to touch on briefly. One is the, the, just that the the um, product innovation. Uh, you know, always striving for something to be better, more productive, and and there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity in that space with technology and equipment. I think we're just we're just at the very beginning of that in our industry uh, compared to other industries. There's a huge opportunity to to improve in that area. Um, and the other thing you talked about was just the, um, you know, kind of that, uh, emergency services mentality of what we do and just the, the, um, you know, being on call, not knowing, you know, um, you know, what tomorrow is going to look like or next week or next month, but always having to be ready for the big one. Right. Um, I was just talking to someone the other day, um, in the Chicago market, you know, they had an 18 inch storm, like, you know, nobody nobody factors in an 18-inch storm in their estimating model, but we all have to be ready for it, right? So, right. And, and the customer expects an 18-inch storm to be cleaned up as fast as a one-inch, you know, dusting. So, um, but, but truly, the industry is moving toward that emergency services mentality of, hey, we're on call just like the fire department, 24-7. We have to be ready. Everything's got to be ready to go all the time, all winter, even if it doesn't snow. And and we have to get paid for that somehow. <laughs> and so, you know, the leading edge contractors are getting paid to be on call. And I'm encouraging all my clients to move in that direction as well. Because we have to you still have to make money. Even if it doesn't snow all winter, you have to make money. Or you or you're not gonna be in business next year. So um no, those are great thoughts and and I know Caterpillar's been at the leading edge of of uh that innovation innovative innovation curve if you can call it that um but eric this has been wonderful um but uh um you know just before we wrap up is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to share with our listeners i mean we touched on a lot one of the big things i i would just like to say i'd just like to give a shout out to our customers uh these are the folks that have been out there clearing all the snow that's hit recently our dealers who support those customers and then our employees who support our dealership. So again, without these three groups of uh, people in the Caterpillar world, we wouldn't be able to deliver the equipment and or the services that help us all to have a better place to live. Again, I, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you, Phil, and get the opportunity to meet so many of the, the contractors that are out working day to day, trying to make sure that the sidewalks and the roads are clean. And then in the summer, they're trying to make the, the world a, a better looking place also. So just appreciate the opportunity to, to Absolutely. be on your podcast. So again, I just thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you, Eric. Love the sport. Hope to see you soon at one of these uh, industry events. And uh, thank you again for being on our podcast. And we'll talk soon. Okay, thank you, Phil. Thank you for listening. We welcome suggestions for future guests or topics. Feel free to email me directly at phil at growthebench.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, become a subscriber today so you won't miss any future episodes. And don't forget to check out our upcoming events at snowfightersinstitute.com. Now go forth.